as Greg was sharing, I was remembering, so last night uh, our kids came home, or yesterday afternoon, and exhausted and dirty with lots of dirty clothes, and um, and uh, we had a family meal around the, the porch table, and Howie was sharing, he goes, this is the, this is the kind of the anniversary of the fourth year that I've known Greg. Greg was talking about the, the connection. Before we ever came here, Greg was Howie's small group leader at Warren Willis Camp. And, um, <laughs> and so, you know, that's the power of the United Methodist Connection, that uh, in spite of differences of space and time that we have connections with people that we may not even know right now, but uh, we may know in the future. So it's a neat connection that we have, and I'm so appreciative for all that Greg does. So several years ago, I was, I was taking a trip to Tallahassee by myself, and when I was returning home to Tampa, I realized that I had driven right past the I-75 exit from I-10. If you haven't driven the I-10, it's pretty boring. It's pine trees and pine trees and pine trees. And I drove right by I-75. Didn't even realize it. It was just mind-wandering. And I realized pretty soon after that that things didn't look very familiar. I didn't spend that much time on the east side of I-10 usually. And, and then I had to make the decision, do I turn around or do I just get off on US 41 and drive down through Lake City? Either way, it was going to take me longer to arrive home. And it was going to be some extra time and extra trouble. And as I was thinking about that, I wonder how many times in our lives we are kind of operating on cruise control. How many times in our, in our faith life, in our spiritual life, were we just kind of going along and not totally paying attention to where we're going? We're on cruise control. We, we may or may not have the GPS set up, but we're just moving along. You know, that's not the first time that I've had that experience. Have you ever had that experience where you're driving down the road and all of a sudden you go, how in the world did I get here? You know, in our faith lives, we may, you know, we may have the, uh, a fish sticker on our car or maybe listening to our favorite Christian worship music or maybe a, a favorite church Christian podcast maybe. Probably just me. I'm probably the only geek like that. Maybe we have our own favorite little church t-shirt or faith t-shirt. And, and we drive right by our life's exits without paying attention to the GPS. Sometimes I think we all need a reminder to, to pay attention to the road and, and to pay attention to our GPS. Our scripture today is from, from the Gospel of Matthew. We're going to be in the seventh chapter. Just a couple of verses, 21 and, and 22 and 23. Hear the word of the Lord. Matthew says, Not everybody who says to me, Lord, Lord, will get into the kingdom of heaven. Only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. 
On the judgment day, many people will say to me, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name and expel demons in your name and do lots of miracles in your name? And then I'll tell them, I've never known you. Get away from me, you people who do wrong. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. An inspiring and uplifting scripture. Easy to exegete. Several years ago, about probably about 10 years ago now, a friend of mine, Jim Devine, who's a pastor up in the villages, was preaching a sermon. He was talking about this idea of at, at a point in, in relationships, he was dealing with young adults, kind of college age, newly graduated folks. And he said the, the, the rage was at that point, well, not the rage, but the, the, the point in times of their relationship, they would have to have what's called a DTR. Does anybody know what a DTR is? Define the relationship. Have you had that conversation, Rob? <laughs> yeah, this is a new thing to me. I had no idea what a DTR was, because at that point I was probably married 10 or 15 years and had already had that DTR at some point. But it's a, it's a place in your relationship where you, you have this conversation to define your relationship. What are we? Where are we going? What, how are we going to behave? And sometimes I think we need to have a DTR with God. Maybe over a cup of coffee. Or maybe if we were having a cup of coffee at Starbucks or a local place and said, well, you know, friends, have you decided to follow Jesus? You know, what might you say to me in response? Now, let me be clear that what I'm asking is I'm not asking, do you come to worship and do you come to other church activities? I'm not asking you, did your parents bring you to church and make you go to youth group stuff? Did your parents make you go to Warren Willis camp? I'm not asking, does your spouse or your parents believe? I'm not even asking, you know, do you, do you serve and do things around the church? We're asking, not even really even, do you believe in Jesus? So it's really, it's a little, it's a deeper question. Have you decided to follow Jesus? Because we can do all those other things and maybe have not really decided to follow Jesus. So if I asked you, have you decided to follow Jesus, one response might be that you say, I believe. And right from our text this morning, Jesus will say, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will get into heaven. It, it's just not enough to say it. Now, now, don't misunderstand me. I know my theology. I understand that we are saved by faith if we confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, and, and then we all shall be saved. I get that. But it's not just enough just to say it. It's like kids. You ever had this experience with kids? They say they understand. They nod their heads. 
and they go and do something completely different, right? You can't just say it. I, I think back to the, the movie Elf, right? And, uh, and Elf, he finds the girl and he's shouting in his dad's office, I'm in love, I'm in love, and I don't care who knows it. You know, I remember 26 years ago, we, I stood in a, in a church much like this, and you know, down here on the steps or on the chancel of Killarn United Methodist Church on May 22nd, 1993, and I stood right there and I said, I loved Tracy. And, and we made a covenant to spend the rest of our lives together, and we made a covenant to spend the rest of our lives loving one another. Till death do us part. In sickness and health and all that other stuff. And if that's all I really ever did, and if say the words, then it really didn't mean much. It was about more. It was about living out what the words meant. It's living day in, day out, some days better than others. It's not just not enough to say, I believe, in the same way. James, in the, toward the end of the New Testament, says that faith without works is dead. It's a dead faith. It's not a living faith. It's all about what you do. It's like that in marriage. It's like that in relationships. It's like that in fatherhood and motherhood. It's all about what you do when you don't feel like it. It's how you love when you don't feel like loving. It's all about loving when you don't feel much like liking, even. It's all about what you do with the money that God owns. It's all about what you do when a friend or a neighbor needs help. And just saying we believe is really just being a fan of God. Just in the same way that we're fans of the Bucks or fans of the Bulls or the Rays. So another way you might respond if I said, have you decided to follow Jesus? You might say, well, you know, I do good things. I do good stuff. I help around the church. I'm, I'm a friend to my neighbors. And, you know, in my job over the years, I frequently get to talk with people about their faith life and share about their faith life. And, and many times it happens in, in some interview times, like I'm hiring staff over the years. And I said, well, tell, you know, tell me about your faith life. Tell, tell me about your faith walk. And the usual answer is I get something about church. I go, well, I go to church. And these are people applying for a church position. I go to church. You know, I give. I serve. I go to Bible study. You know, tell me about, tell me about your faith life. Now, we have this list of all the good things we should be doing, and many of us are doing them, but they alone don't define our faith life. They are not just things. Our faith is not just a set of things, a checklist of things that we should be doing. It's not enough just to do good things. 
There's lots of other organizations out there that do good things, right? In, in fact, I'm not really even sure. I don't know that God really needs our help. For, to redeem the creation that God created from the sin of our world. I don't know that God needs our help. But in a, in a wonderful mystery of things, God chooses to include us in his redeeming work of creation. And, and I think he does it in order to, to shape and to mold us into God's image. Today's scripture says, The ability to prophesy, to cast demons out, or even to do miracles is not proof that one is a follower of Jesus. I don't know about you, but you know, I'd love to be able to prophesy and cast out demons and do miracles, right? That, that'd be pretty good. But Jesus says not even doing those incredible things is proof that one is a follower of Jesus. It's more than that. It's, it's not enough to just be doing things. It's, that's just like being a fan. So a third response you might give me is maybe, well, I know about God. Are you a follower of Jesus? Well, I know about God. I've been in Bible studies. I know about God. I even know, you know, I know there, on this Trinity Sunday, I know there's God the Father, there's God the Son, and there's God the Holy Spirit. I know all about that, and I can, you know, give you some definitions of how that works. Well, I grew up um, coming home from school in the afternoons and watching the Chicago Cubs, because back in the day, the Cubs and the Braves were pretty much the only teams in this area on TV. And the beauty of it was, this was before there were lights at Wrigley, and the Cubs were on every afternoon when I came home. And I was a super geek. I, would, I had a scorebook, and I kept score while the game was going on. Yeah, super geek, I told you, okay. I knew, I knew every play. You know, I, I, knew, um, I knew Dave Kingman and, and uh, Yvonne DeJesus and Ron Say and Mike Kruko. And I knew all their stats, Leon Durham and all those Cubs. I knew every one of those players. I knew the usual lineup. I knew their stats. But I didn't really know them. And when we say we know about God, we, 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 it's like we're saying we know the back of God's baseball card. We know when his rookie year was and how many home runs he hit, but we don't really know God. We know facts and figures about God and God's life, but we don't really know God, or we don't know Jesus. We need to, to know more than just what we learn in Bible study, just it's more than just the facts. It's not just enough to, to know about God. We, we need to, to intimately know God. It's kind of the difference between having knowledge, having a head knowledge, and having intimacy with God. In the same way, it's, you know, it's the same way with your relationships. Many people can know facts about a person's spouse or significant other or friends or children and, and they may even know some very important details, especially now with the Internet. You can find some very important details about people, 
and not really know them. Truly knowing someone takes time. And you have to build up a trust in order to to share your deepest feelings with one another. And then you can really get to know them. The end of this scripture tells us in verse 23 that Jesus says that he'll tell us then, I've never known you. And get away from me, you people who do wrong. It's not enough to just know about God. Just knowing about God is just being a fan. Instead, we must cultivate an intimacy by spending time with God alone and, and in community, by spending time in prayer, talking to God and listening to God, reading the scriptures, reading the scriptures alone and in community, wrestling with, with faith questions, again, alone and in community. It's important that we do both of those things. And then, then we're also learning how do we live out this faith in every part of our life. Not just, you know, when we come to church for the hour or so that we're here, or in our small group, or when we're serving, and then the rest of the, the week is kind of up for grabs, you know. My faith life has no, no bearing on me when I travel for business, or my faith life has no bearing on me when I go and, and I'm making a sales presentation, or how I treat my coworkers, or how I drive on the road. I always love it when I see the fish stickers on someone driving in front of me ridiculously, or filled with rage, But really knowing God intimately, then it affects and bleeds into all of our lives. So that we're living out all of our parts of our lives with the leading of God's will. So what, so what is it? How do, how do we stop being just a fan and we become a follower? What is it to be a follower? Something that's, that's more than... I believe, I do good things, I know about God. I think, it's, I think it's a both and proposition. It's both those things. We, we need to believe, we need to do good things, we need to know about God, but it's and an intimacy with God. Where God shapes and molds us into what God created us to be in every part of our lives. So both and. When we define discipleship or, or a follower of God, there, there are a ton of different definitions. And I've kind of found this one that seems to speak to me. That a follower of Jesus is one whose life is centering on loving God and loving others. One whose life is centering on loving God and, and loving others. And um, can we put that image back up there, Ken? Thank you. And I think this is why it's a both and proposition that on the one side we have a belief. What we believe about God. What we know about God. And I think becoming a follower of Jesus is when we 
have the intersection of what we believe and what we know about God and then how we act, the good things we do, how our belief and our knowledge about God intersects with the actions that we do, how it infiltrates our lives and bleeds into every crevice of our lives. That's what following Jesus is about. We grow as we spend more time getting to know God through Christ. Scripture, our scripture says that only those who do the will of my Father will enter. I saw this great meme and I couldn't find it this afternoon or this morning. If you're a musician, you'll love it if you fall upon it on Facebook. It was kind of looked like it was a worship band. There's a keyboard player over here and on the top of it had... Uh, God the Father, and he was playing a song. The other side, there's a there's a guitar player, and he's kind of playing along, kind of watching what's happening. It says the Holy Spirit over here. And in the middle, God bless him, is a guy playing the soprano saxophone. There's a pl- plethora of saxophone jokes out there. And this guy's playing along, but he is obviously playing along in the totally wrong key. I'm not even sure he might have been playing the wrong song. And many times I think that's that's the way we live our lives. You know, we're trying to discern the will of God. We're following along, we're listening to God, and we're playing, obviously maybe not in the right key or the right song, and we don't even realize it. And in this meme, this video, it had this guy, the guy over here, the guitar player, Holy Spirit, at some point in the video, he kind of like goes, he goes, stop playing. <laughs> it was just bad. We're all trying to, to do good, and, and sometimes we're not on the same piece of music. So doing what God is calling us to do, that's doing God's will. For me, I think that can be summed up by the verse, love the Lord your God with all your heart and your mind and soul and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Or simply put, love God and love others. It's about love. That's what I believe following Jesus is about. Love that envelops followers to become like him. Love that moves followers to serve him and his people. Love that moves followers to passionately pursue more knowing about him. It's a love that motivates followers to say no to themselves and pick up their cross and to follow God. This week I was reminded of one such follower that I had the pleasure of serving when I was at Hyde Park. Her name is Emma Brody, or Emma Bodie. And when I was there at Hyde Park, she was just a preschooler. She actually lives in Valrico, and uh, she's 13 now, and uh, so she was a preschooler there, a kindergartner, and uh, she believed in Jesus, and, and she was growing in her knowledge of Jesus, and I could see something in her moving in the spirit, and, uh, and even as a six-year-old, God began to stir something in her little soul. She heard, just to tell you, you know, when, when kids are out there, they hear more than we think they hear. 
she heard somewhere that there are children that didn't have shoes. And so she wanted to, at five and six years old, wanted to collect shoes to give to Metropolitan Ministries and to take on our Nicaragua mission trips and our Cuba mission trips and our South Africa mission trips. She wanted to bring them shoes. She decided for her birthday that she didn't want any presents. She just wanted people to bring shoes that she could give away. And she kept telling her mom, but her mom kind of just shrugged her off. Okay, well, you're five. You'll forget about this tomorrow. And it, she didn't forget, and it kept coming and coming and coming. And it took several months then for her mom to feel that same calling. And, and over the years now, Emma has collected thousands of pairs of shoes. And there's a picture up here of, uh, this is six years ago still. Emma then at uh, age six or seven, celebrating on Mission Sunday. Emma feels some different callings now at 13. She's doing, she's still following God, but she's pursuing God in different ways. But you, you, we can be a follower of God at 6 or at 46 or at 96 or, or anywhere in between. But it takes saying, yes, I believe, and, and, and growing to getting to know Jesus more and more deeply and, and, and serving in his kingdom. It's that both and proposition of belief and actions. So today, as we're considering, are we a fan or are we a follower, I, I will ask you again, have you decided to follow Jesus? Reminds me of the great hymn. You know this one? I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. Behind me, the cross before me, no turning back, no turning back. As the band comes up and as we close worship this morning, I want to give you that chance to answer that question for yourself. Have you decided to follow Jesus? You know, it, it's, it's okay to observe and to be a fan. That, that might be where you are today. That's completely okay. But, but Jesus' desire is more from us. And, and deep in our souls, in the souls of everyone who is created, I believe there's a desire for something more. And as you continue to walk through your faith life, there will, there will come a time when you feel ready to respond, to move from being a fan to a follower. Others of you hear Jesus calling you, just as little Emma did. You hear God calling, and, and, and you're ready to respond. 
You don't want to wait and sit on the sidelines as a spectator, as a fan any longer. So friends, however you are responding to that question today, the, the altar is open to you. You can, you can come, come and pray and I'll respect your privacy. But maybe you want someone to pray with you. Just lift a hand. Maybe you feel led that you want to make a public declaration that you're going to follow Jesus. Come on down. Perhaps you or your family haven't been baptized and you'd like to be consider being baptized soon. I'd be honored to talk with you about that. Friends, as the band plays, we're going to remind it of the mighty Savior who saves us. And the altar is open. It's a great place to pray. Amen. Everyone, please stand and join us. You may have heard this one before.
friends, as we leave this place, let's remember the, the hymn, Have You Decided to Follow Jesus? Dads, uh, grab your gift on the way out. And, uh, you know, if you're going to see a dad or a father figure this week or today, grab one for him. Take it and, and let's shine this light of God beyond this place. So friends, now go now and follow Jesus, believing in his grace and forgiveness, knowing him more and more, and doing good by loving God and loving others. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen and amen. Have a great week. We'll see you next time.